December 24, 2021. It's a walk for Pedro show. I saw a picture of you with a flute. Yeah. <laughs> Are you playing that too now? I'm learning. I'm learning. You're always learning, aren't you? Oh, uh, I hope so. I'm always trying to learn. Um, I looked at the downbeat critics poll two years in a row, and both year, this year and last year. Both year I noticed, both years I noticed this, that uh, the European critics are much more in favor of the new music than the American. Almost, say, 50% or 60% of them would vote for new musicians, yeah. whereas only, say, about a quarter of the American uh, 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 Is this what you found in, in Europe? And, in, and Well, let me just say, yeah. is this what you found outside the United States, that your music is more favorably received by... Uh, the critics, the power structure, shall we say, than in, than in the U.S.? Well, I'll tell you, uh, in the new music, I believe in it. And when I say the new music, I mean most of the younger musicians mm -hmm, just starting mm -hmm, out. Mm -hmm. I know that they definitely have found a quicker reception in Europe than they have here. And uh, when I started it, it was a little different because I started through Miles Davis, mm -hmm, who was mm -hmm. an, accept, an accepted musician, you see. And... Uh, they got used to me here in the States. Now, when they first heard me with Miles here, they did not like it. I remember that. I remember <laughs> so the Anything is, it's just one of those things. Anything that they haven't heard yet, and it's a little different, uh, at first, they're going to reject it at first. Now, but the time, it will roll around, the time when they will like it. Now, the States, by being here with Miles and running around the country with him, I be, they, they heard more of me here, and then consequently, they became accepted before they did in Europe, because they hadn't heard me in Europe. But we found when we went to Europe the first time, well, it was a shock to them there, you know, like the food, me, and everything in Paris. Because, uh, well, it is, you know, they weren't ready this. But uh, now I find the last time I was in Europe, it seems that the new music, they, they, they're ready, you know, they open up, man. They can hear it there better than they do here. Large Joshua and Francisco. represented the expression constantly. And expense abolished desire musical. Legislature, the attending fortnight. A nearly absent morning did I. Undo constantly of the fraud as now. Should you be willing, please me arranging. Universal abused expression. having been absent. A February remedy. Next appear order hereby. There hall the me emperor.
California and laws which exist in integrity. Represented throughout. Hereby, Commander-in-Chief Receipt Force. A body the most effective. And laws proper throughout represented. Hope is you. Yesterday. For Pedro Show, happy Friday. Start off, John Coltrane talking to Frank Kosky, November 66, about always learning. Imagine that, John Coltrane, always the student. Something to think about. Then Gino Robert with Proclamation. And because of them Estonian software people with their Skype invention, I got with you, Gino Robert. Welcome aboard, Gino. Thank you very much, Watt. Glad to be aboard. Absolutely. I have, uh, I have a Coltrane story about right. that. Uh, Anthony Braxton, who I worked with a little bit told me he went and saw Coltrane back in the 60s and had to, at some point during a break went to the bathroom and he goes to the bathroom and Coltrane's in there still playing. He'd never take, he just always, practice. just Lots always, of practice. Practice, always <laughs> shredding, you know, shedding. And it's, you know, that actually stayed with me. The same thing. It's like, you know, you, you just, you're always learning. Yeah. There's Miles just, Davis oh, in the Quincy Troop book, he talks about after gigs of chasing dope and women. And he's up there practicing. I mean, he had a dope thing, too, for a while. But somehow, it's probably the music that got him through that shit. And uh, the year I was born, he quit it and got better. Which Richard Meltzer said was a big deal for the movement at the time. Because, yeah, you could quit and get better. You didn't have to be fucked up like Bird. Richard Meltzer said he kicked dope out of the temple. So, So, But I'm, I'm curious with your music journey so can you please bring your earliest music rec- musical recollection gino yeah you know um my parents listened to uh two kinds of music you know country and western both guys i was raised in riverside california not all far, right yeah where you are <laughs> no about 90 miles east uh from pedro and uh chris d from the flesh eaters grew up there no way i didn't know Pinchy that way i wouldn't fuck Jive you, Gino. I mean, he came to Hollywood early, right, to help run Slash and the, the Flesh Eaters. Big guy with movies. Had a lot of knowledge of movies. Also, Bruce Duff, Riverside Cat. I remember playing a pad out there called Spanky's, I think. That's right. That's right. Right. And a guy, maybe a Lebanese cat. A yep. great cat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also yep. the school. There was a venue called The Barn. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That was the scene. It was Spanky's net. Okay. Um, but yeah, so, you know, I grew up in that in that world and uh my parents 
used to say that I'd take the pots and pans out when I was, you know, before I could walk and, and hit them with the wooden spoons. So, you know, that was kind of, I just liked sound. That was and the gateway. That was the gateway. And they, <laughs> you know what? They, on youtube.com, there's a half hour documentary on Elvin Jones, John Coltrane's drummer for a lot, right? It's called Different Drummer. And that's how he started. No way. Peachy way. <laughs> and you know, and that's a, uh, his sister helped him with money in his paper route. And that's how he got his first kid. Oh my God. Well, you know, at some point, I think I was asking for a drum set and I got one, like this kind of toy one, like one of seven. And I like, mean like paper heads. Yeah. And my cousin stood on one of the drums and, you know, put his foot through it. So <laughs> eventually they got me a, a, a one of these sort of made in Japan, small uh, plywood kits. And I just kept at it. And um, well, besides that those incredible drum sets you acquired was there any other musical instruments in the pad you grew up you know my my father played guitar when he was a kid so he occasionally would pull his guitar out and try to show me you know g you know the cowboy chords yeah sure and so i had that and then you know at my my folks my mom's side is hungarian my father's side is italian so at weddings there would be accordions and violins but, you know, no one ever showed me what to do. But since I played drums, I got to sit in and you know, follow them. So I think it's the same colors. One sideways, one's up and down. Totally. Totally. <laughs> totally. So that was, I mean, that was the, the, but, you know, I didn't have any, at the time, I didn't have any musicians in the family or anybody who, you know, did it professionally on this side. Sure, sure. I'm just curious because, you know, the, a lot of people have different paths to get to where they are now, you know. And they're all yeah. kind of unique, like fucking fingerprints. But then there's a lot in common, too. Like, uh, what was the first record you bought with your own money? First record I bought with my own money was um, Paranoid by Black Sabbath. Black Sabbath, second album. Okay. And first gig you saw? First, like, rock star gig? Or, no, or... just, you know, music. Well, you said the weddings, right? Yeah, but um, I was a real... Ugh. probably. It would have probably been um, at Disneyland. It would probably have been... Um, uh, Buddy Rich. Wow, you saw one because th th those gigs are notorious, right? That he gets scissored for smoking mota. Oh my God, and, and they were endless. I mean, they were just like he'd be on stage, and they I guess they would have forty-five minutes, but they wouldn't end. They would just go. <laughs> you know, oh he's, man, he's those those gigs around. are notorious. You got to witness one. Oh man, I've read all about that shit. Also, we know about the bus stage. What about at school? Were you in the choir, the marching band, or shit like that? I was that? in the marching band, and I was. Uh, I played in the orchestra, a marching band. I was I had a piano teacher in junior high school, and um, he led a choir at a Baptist church, so I played drums with them. So I'm I had curious my, about the marching band. band. My first paying gig was when I was 14. The marching that. band. I, I, I want to know, what what did you do? Did you do traditional grip? Yeah, uh, we did traditional grip, and we did all the tours. Oh, so you played like a field drum, either a tom or a snare. Yeah, because yep. I tell people that it's slung on your side. That's why the match grip's later with Trap Kid. Oh, totally. Absolutely. And there's, you know, there's certain things you can do with traditional grip you can't do with, you know, uh, with the match grip. If you watch the old drummers, the way they play those fills, yeah, you, you know, they're easier and they're more fluid when you're playing the sort of traditional grip because it's just, it's just laying the hand is just laying there doing that, and it's really, you know, it's 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 quite a bit of a jump. Bill Bateman, uh, the blaster drummer man, he plays traditional grip, but he flips the port side stick up the other side, so he's playing with the fat. Yep. Yep. Wow. Yeah. And you know trap, right? Where that word came from, New Orleans, right? Oh, totally, yeah, absolutely. Contraption. Yep. Yeah, and yep. it's just put together, right? Cobbled from all kinds of shit. Working, and if you, yeah, you look at those progress. pictures, if you look at those pictures, that each each drummer had a different setup. That's right. That's they right. had to 
sometimes they had to make their own. My, my, it turns out I learned. So I, the other thing in my story is I found out when my, when I was 30, that my mother out of eight kids is the only one born from a different mother, right? She, she was born uh, out of wedlock because my, it turns out my grandfather, when he was, you know, in his twenties was an itinerant violinist in Saskatchewan. And he had met this woman and he had an affair with her and had my mother, but he was in a group where his cousin played the drums and that he had to build his own drums because they were out in the, out in the sticks. So right. he, Saskatoon people. Saskatchewan. Yeah, so the, yeah, it's like prairie, actually, Canadian prairie. Totally up north, uh, beyond Regina. So right. North of Winnipeg. So he would have, you know, his cousin would, would skin feral cats and use the skins as the drum. Heads, <laughs> right. <laughs> You just okay. That, so that's, my, that's DIY. That's, that's DIY. That's totally DIY. Yeah, that's that's punk rock. Um, so Walt, see, that's Walt Whitman with leaves of grass. Yeah. So every time I see a picture of an old drummer, I think, God, you know, did they have to make? What did they make that head out of? You know. <laughs> well, well, Hodges, you know, the guy I did my first opera with, he used calfskin heads for his kick drums. Yeah, yeah. It's on a, a couple of Tom Waits albums. Right. It's a different sound. And, you know, yeah. it's it's funky because the minute somebody turns on the lights in the studio, the heads go flat because of the heat, you know. Right. So, so you really have to you really have to baby them and, and be be on it because even as you're playing, they're changing, you know. Oh, yeah, because we, we tuned into the tunes and the parts oh, of the totally. opera. Yeah, and so it took a little bit with that kick. Okay, so what about the thing after school, not graduate, but in the afternoon? Bedroom oh, just, band, the garage band, the basement oh, totally. band. Did you do that stuff? Totally. Just go home. Friends would come over. We would try to figure, you know, as we're learning how to play the instruments, like write our own tunes, yeah. jam on them. You know, you find those two chords, you play them for four hours. <laughs> you know? American woman. Yeah. You know, you just, <laughs> fucking four yeah. hours every day. That one yeah. part. That's a one part song. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's like, and you're happy as a clam because yeah, it's just yeah, like, yeah. Oh, it's just because you're with your buddies and you're fucking doing it. Well, it's it, it, and it's it's meditation. It's you know your your whole body is in this. You know your heart rates are all the same. It's really just the best. It's right. really it's hard to explain to a world that that lives on on the computer. Right, you know? right, right, right. And uh, you know everybody's a product of their sitch, but then there's the thing about reacting against the sitch. Yeah. Now now. You guys were like like me and D. Boone copying off records, right? But did you start so, composing? Oh yeah, because okay. I, 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 we didn't. We didn't until the fucking movement. Oh really? I wouldn't shit you, because we're from we're thirteen in nineteen seventy. It's arena rock. I really right. truly believe the movement was anti arena rock. It wasn't about beats per minute or funny haircuts. Although oh no, those were involved it, too. It's totally about that. It's funny you say that because I was in a I, the, when I formed a punk band because up to that point i was playing you know cover tunes and we would play like uh neil young and whatever people wanted to hear um but oh, yeah this winnipeg uh, guess who well this would have been this would have been riverside this would have been no riverside. no but i'm we're you're referencing uh oh, yeah, canadian right. prairie I, exactly. I did too i i said guess who american woman yeah oh yeah no kidding but yeah so it's 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 interesting we, i mean i i always like to improvise as a kid and just sort of fuck around on things. And then I would find something. I just, Hey guys, let's just do this for, you know, let's play this for a while. So those kind of would work themselves into tunes. And I'm surprised it took you guys a while to do that because no, no, because nobody was doing it. Not one person uh, in yeah. Pedro wrote their own songs. The best guy in music in Pedro was the guy who could play black dog the best. Mm -hmm. Look, you gave me this open secret. I want to play that. Right. Thank you. 
clear a certain amount of land from trees you could keep it right, right. and so it's it's really going to attract people who are are de that dedicated and that really tough and willing to you know to uh, tough it out so then you have you know it's like australia or like the united states you have all these people who are really you know individual and are can suffer you know they can live through suffering <laughs> in order to, to make a life you know and that's that that creates a certain world. <laughs> yeah, I believe it. I believe it. You know, so, uh, did any of these uh, garage bands, you, did they do gigs? 
Oh yeah, we played we played gigs. We played. I was playing in bars at seventeen because two members of the band were you know in their twenties and they were able to get us in. Do you in. remember your first gig? Um, yeah, actually, my first gig was uh, well, my first bar gig, yes, and my first gig gig was at a the only time I ever played a New Year's Eve party. I was thirteen, so damn. Uh, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. So you know, it's it, what were we playing? We were playing like you know cowbell rock. Okay. 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 Now, uh, through school, you know, a lot of you you were doing this on the side with the rock and roll, but then at school you're learning the stuff. uh, I I assume you were in the orchestra, so classical and maybe even some jazz, the marching tunes and all this. Now, after school graduation, do you go to higher education for music? Yeah, yeah, because my piano teacher had been at the University of Redlands, and um, and then. The mother of my girlfriend had studied at the University of Redlands. They said, really? Because I was going to go to UC Riverside. Or sorry, not UC Riverside. Uh, Riverside City College. Yeah. Because, you know, I was already playing in their orchestra and their band because they needed percussionists. They said, oh, no, you got to go to you should go to university. And they had this great program. So great. But, you know, I wasn't a very good student. But somehow, musically aptitude-wise, they they could see, okay, this, this guy would be successful. So I got into U of, Re- U of Redlands through that, spent four years there. And... That's where the first punk band I started was uh, was there, but also got to play a lot of contemporary, you know, music, worked on composition. So that was for, you know, it was full of really creative, freaky people, which was really great. Speaking of which, I should have said what we just played on <laughs> Open Secrets with Spoonwink, then Miriam Jenden from Montreal, 3110-2011, uh, Simon Grab and Francesco Guidici with a brand new I Leave, Bombas Prendon. Sequentit, Samuel Locke Ward with Bog, Organs, brand new out of Ireland. This is all. And then Pink Mountains, one of your projects, Over the yep. Rainbow Somewhere. <laughs> That's a twist. Okay, to, to continue on. So you got this parallel universe. You got the punk band. And the, and the punk band's doing original songs, right? Mostly. Well, yeah, we're doing some originals, but not. But we're the, the lead, the, the keyboardist, singer, um, Andy Rayfield uh, had perfect pitch, so he so he would do this thing was whatever song was a hit for the day, we would do a punk version or a reggae version. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and it would usually be he would just say call it out. He'd say you know do you want to hurt me? And we would just you know one two three four one two three four. Yeah, but good thing you didn't call out Tarkus. No, well thankfully he didn't do that. But you know it was more it was more just to shit on the shit on the yeah hits. yeah I understand. I understand. People forget about that. You know, the movement came because the hippies kind of lost their human. There was a lot of funny shit in our movement. <laughs> oh, my God. I, you know, what? for me, it was actually quite uh, revelatory. I saw the Minutemen play in 84 at um, at uh, Cal Arts at a Halloween party. Oh, that's right, with replacements. And made fun. Blew- I remember the singer making fun of me. I was dressed as a clown. And I said, what, yes. what, what are you dressed as, a rock star? <laughs> what, was about, what was amazing about the Minutemen is, like, you know, I had a couple of the records, but when you played, it was like prog rock because it was like yeah, yeah. you your transitions between sections was so. Yeah, well, we tried to make it like it was one song, right? But the idea was actually from Wire Little Songs. We thought yeah, people wouldn't know like, that we learned from Blue Oyster Cult and Creeds. But it, yeah, but it was, <laughs> you guys were just so on fire, and I was just my mouth was uh, you know open like oh my god, this is. That's where punk, for me, that's where punk needed to go was to just be 
fluid and not this sort of blocky, you know, short song, short song, short song. So it was quite, you know, one of those moments in my life where I just went, yeah, here we go. There's the key. Well, you yeah, D. Boone's take on the moment. In fact, a skater from Arizona, Robert Locker, made a sticker out of this. He said, punk is whatever we made it to be. Totally, totally. And people forget that's what it was about. It wasn't like a competing brand. It was just like a geo for ideal world. Well, yeah, you want to make it, you want to start a move. You want to start playing it music but you don't want to have to be in that bullshit business absolutely you know absolutely and parallel universe so for you so so what happens after four years you get your thing i mean well, you made some connects there right yeah i made some connections but i moved to england um to just wow. okay. yeah i moved to london to hang out with these people who were just doing free improvisations just to get an idea oh the Derek bailey uh yeah, AM Derek bailey, thing. amm yeah um, Actually, I went there to. to so how'd to, you how'd you get turned on to that? The people at school. Yeah, one of the one of the graduate students uh, was uh, was friends with uh, the guys in AMM. So she's you know said, hey, write him a letter. Keith Rowe with the guitar on the table. Totally, and I wrote him. A, you know, I wrote Eddie Prevo a letter. He says, Oh, Eddie Prevo, what yeah. are you gonna learn from me? You have a degree. I'm like, well, I just want to you know want to see what you're doing because their lifestyle. I mean, their lifestyle was really fascinating. It was, it was still, it was very much DIY. You know, he had his own label, he did his own festivals, he published his own yeah. know, zine and things like that. So I was like, I wanted, you know, I want to check that out. So I spent yeah. a year there, and it was, you know, again, really eye-opening. You know where I found out a lot about him? Uh, Rob Chapman's book on Sid Barrett. Sid Barrett was really influenced by those cats, and oh, you yeah. wouldn't know it. Yeah, they, 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 the golden, uh, they shared the, the stage. I mean, that's the right. thing is, again, you got you have a scene where. It's not, there's no, those uh, pigeonholes haven't been created yet by the media, you know? Right, right. Or industry. Yeah. Uh, what's it called? Genre or, or bins in the chain store? Yeah. <laughs> I remember right. the punk in those days, our punk stuff, you know, import bin, right? Well, imported from Lawndale. <laughs> 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 Man, it was so trippy in those, they were so afraid of this shit. Why? It was. I mean, they so must have been selling copies. Why would they be afraid of it? You know I know, I, mean? I know. Well, later on, look, they tried uh, write this thing called Alternative, fifteen right. years later, right? But anyway, we we can't settle scores. But you <laughs> went to England. You learned a bunch of stuff from. You went to the well. You didn't just read about it. You went to the cats. I no, liked, I totally. And I it, was, it was really humbling. I, I didn't play drums. I sold my drums here. I moved over there. I didn't play drums for an entire year. Okay. I didn't play any percussion. Okay. I just went to gigs. And when you and came back, what'd you do? Well, when I came when I came back, I met Anthony Braxton when I was out there. I went to a gig and saw him play and I went backstage and said, Hey, I was you know, was just talking to him about his work and he asked me, So what are you doing? I said, Well, you know, I'm here just hanging out. I'm a composer. He says, Well, you should come to the Bay Area because I teach at Mills College and oh, you can wow. do anything. He says I you can do anything you want. I'm like, Really? <laughs> I, I heard they saved that school. It was gonna close. Well, they yeah, that's a whole other story. I don't want to go into that. Okay, but, we won't. We won't. But yeah, it, but the I'm interested. The composing part is, is was this another thing from Redlands? Yeah, this is. I mean, it's it's one of those things that I was really into trying to figure out how to. I don't know. Yeah, how to compose in a way that made sense to me. And, well, and well, what I'm saying is, you're out of the role because drummers are supposed to be stupid. Not you know, Chico <laughs> Hamilton couldn't get songwriting credits. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. Is that. Yeah, there's, there's the another... notes are too short. They don't last long. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Fucking dicks. You know, especially with rock and roll and stuff with beat music or jazz music. You know, Jesus. 
But when you're in marching band, you're writing cadences and you're absolutely absolute. session ensemble pieces. Absolute. And I, you know, I got way Look, into that. Four string guitar, bass, or is bass really a four string drum set? I it's totally you. Well, you <laughs> Look, I we're mean, at the end of the first hour, December 24, 2021. Special guest, Gino Robert. Hold tight, fire two. December 24, 2021. It's the second hour of the Watt Piro Show.
Walk for Pedro show. Start off the second hour with uh, on a Persian rug from Pink Mountain. Then Molom now, Balmore, Fragmentation. Brand new out of Berlin from Hack Di Picciato, Journey East. And then finally, Tender Buttons with what is the current that makes machinery that makes it crackle. Now, enlighten us about this Pink Mountain because you gave me two of these tunes. Um, Pink Mountain, the members of Pink Mountain got together just to sort of improvise in the studio. Let's make a record of, of free improv. And Sam Coombs is a singer that is in a band called Quasi. Yeah, 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 with the Janet ex-wife. Yeah, the Janet, drummer. exactly. Yeah. And and so we're improvising. I'm like, this isn't going anywhere. Let's let's improvise some songs and then, you know, have Sam sing on them. So we kind of reoriented things, and that's how that record, that's how both records came about. We would improvise until a song appeared, and then we would, you know, kind of trim off the things digitally. You, you mean know, like the Miles Smiles and On the Corner, that stuff? Oh, totally, yeah. yeah. Okay. Teo Macero to these things. Right, right, right. Now I ended up doing uh, the Sacred Trust when they had me aboard with that World Broken record. And Open Secret? Open Secret was um, a project where, you know, the three of us had played a gig and thought, oh, this is a really great... Three of us. Which three this of us? This is a nice trio, yeah. Which, which played, three of us? What's that? Which three of us? Oh, okay. So that's uh, John Butcher on saxophone. Oh, yeah. He's been on the show. Yeah. And Deep 13, uh, Turntables, who's... Yeah. Uh, he's from Vienna. He plays noise uh, turntables. Sure, sure. So, uh, you know, and that, that session was a birthday present to John Butcher when I was in, in Britain. We went over to Rack Studios and, and just spent a day there. And he's doing this feedback sax thing where he's, you know, he's got the, the mic and the bell and the speaker in front of him, and he's just <laughs> he's just moving the keys and doing the feedback thing. Um, so it fits really well with what I do, which is take apart the drums, and they're laying all over the floor, and I'm putting motors on them and, you know, stacking them and stuff like that. You're putting motors on the drums. Yeah, I have these like little motorized like uh, you would think they were like vibrators and dildos, but they're actually <laughs> they're actually pencils. They're these like battery operated pencils, and they dr they jump around and so I, you know. And I put an ebo on the snare drum on the snare of the snare drum to play it to make a sustained sound. <laughs> okay, here's another project: Wong Robert Bosey. I'm, I'm assuming it's three cats. Yeah.
I remember it. He said he didn't remember it. I loved it. But, oh, oh, have we got some ladies? Oh, we got to sit down. And they brought us drinks.
Rock from Pedro show. Yeah, that chunk of music started with Wong, Robert, Bozy, with zero beat in the reaction set. Sounds like the band was zero beat in the reaction set doing Wong, Robert, and Bozy. <laughs> <laughs> then uh, Kotolis with Hard Luck Story in 39, Ray Shin, As Little As It Takes, and then Wong, Robert, Bozy again with Unsave His Milk, which I, I'm going to take a wild guess here, but some kind of reference to Captain Beefheart's first album. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Which Ry Cooter made it happen, right? He did his bass on a couple of tunes. Yep. Abazab. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and another lyricist we find. Uh, the, uh, Mike Barnes' book, very good on, on the captain. In fact, you can go through every fucking tune and watch, uh, listen to it on the YouTube.com as you're reading about how it was recorded. Yeah. Yeah, that's a trip. And you know, all 17, uh, all 12 records, 17 years, 43 versions of the Magic Man. So, uh, likeness to Wong Robert Bosey. Well, I've been playing with Bosey for a while. He lives in, uh, at the time I met him, he lived in northern Italy, in uh, Torino, but now he lives in Marseille. Okay. And Francois Wong lives in Marseille, so I was visiting them um, for another project, visiting the town, and we got together and thought, wow, let's let's record. Yeah, <laughs> yeah of course. We're together, let's hang out and record. And it, it was, it turned out some really great music, you know. Okay, okay. I mean, usually when you get a drummer, a guitar player, and a sax player, you play, you know, people will play time and they'll play songs, but that didn't happen with this band, so. Time. Well, you know, the thing about, I think, what, you know, the last recordings of John Coltrane with Rashid, I don't have to worry about chord changes. No. Yeah. And I think even that earlier with Miles with the, you know, kind of blue, they had exhausted that stuff with the uh, bebop and, you know, let's try this. I don't know, modal. Some people get upset at that word. You know, I forgot to ask you about Tender Buttons. Oh, yeah. So Tender Buttons is uh, Tanya Chen, a British uh, pianist who specializes in Cage and Feldman, but also improvises. And then Tom Dill, who's a trumpet player. Yeah, he's um, been on the show. Yeah. Great and so he cat. and I are playing a lot of electronic music together in real time, like live synth patching. And when Tanya moved to town, I thought, well, let's, let's get together and do a jam. And it was so much fun that you know, we started a, a trio and we played quite a bit for, you know, over the years. And, and, and you mentioned time. Because, you know, in that documentary I told you about with different drummer with Elvin John, he said people didn't want to play with him because his sense of time, I think it was more like the ocean, right? It was in swells. <laughs> yeah. He, I mean, it's just really interesting the way he plays because it's not, you know, people say, oh yeah, you know, he's, he's swinging, but I mean, he's, it's really hard to play this, the way he plays, especially in those cultural, those classic culturing records. And it's the same thing with, if you listen to um, um, the early Stones or mid-period Stones and mid-period, early mid-period Beatles, it's really hard to play like Ringo in those early records because it's not straight eights and it's not swung eights. It's a sort of this in-between world. And that, for me, that era of drummer, that era of rock drummer, Bill Ward had the same thing. They, they're still... Bill Ward, for, incredible. Right? You, you mentioned Bill Paranoid. Ward. And what a jazzy, yeah. swinging fucking thing. I know it's hard oh rock, but oh my God. Those records, I know those records are like jazz records when he does his fills. They're just like... All oh, yeah. But you know, it's like you can't play straight eights in any of those, with any of those early records because those guys are still, they still have jazz in them. I mean... Tell me about, tell me about Charlie Watt. You mentioned him because the only time I ever saw him in person was at an Elvin Jones show. Me and Raymond saw... Uh, oh, really? And, and he was with Les McCann. Yeah, he was wearing three overcoats, and he was with Les McCann, and Les McCann was in a wheelchair yelling at Elvin, come on, you motherfucking play, the whole gig. <laughs> Elvin was smiling a lot. But Charlie was watching him like a hawk. 
you know, Charlie would, that's the great thing about uh, being a, a super duper rock star on tour at that level is that, you know, you, you have those down, those down moments. And Charlie was voracious. He would go to gigs wherever he was a jazz gig. Right. I mean, he was totally on, on that stuff. And what and, did you hear in the early stones about his drumming? What was that again? Would you hear in his early stones drumming that tripped you out like Ringo and shit? Well, I, just this, the swing, you okay. know, that that's not straight up and down apes. There's that thingy, a little... and some, a lot of signature, like get off of my cloud. Yeah. But you know, the, the funny thing is that it's, it's sort of like that band is Charlie Watts trying to learn how to be a rock drummer yeah. and not always, and not always succeeding. So there's some records um, that you hear him play and you can hear him just flail, trying so hard to like, line it all up and he's not but it's that tension that i find really exciting i tell um, you where he's got it happen street fighting man i think that's recording on a cassette <laughs> oh totally totally yeah yeah oh that drum is so bitching in that tune and i think that you know the beatles too it's like you know i haven't watched get back yet but or even 70s what about can you hear me knocking that's a drum lick <laughs> that's it i mean there's, there's still these like the, the band trying to do these things and you know they're probably giving him feedback and he's like trying to do what he wants to do and there's that tension uh you know you know about the olympic uh beggar banquet right jimmy Mil uh, sympathy for devil you fucking play it and jimmy the producer is <laughs> oh my god that movie is so difficult to watch <laughs> very uncomfortable you know you just watch it you go oh painful painful so so okay so what about rap you know we're talking about improvised music and i ask this question to a lot of guests that do this stuff is 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 it, Repetition an enemy of the improviser? No, no, not okay. at all. I mean, okay. it, you got to find that moment when it fits, you know. Because the drummer, right, he's putting together these motifs where you kind of repeat things. Sometimes, and sometimes you, you know, the kind of improvising music I like is when it, you can't, you can't tell what instrument is making what sound. Ah, okay. You know, so repetition's okay, but if the, if, if the sax player is making a sound that sounds like a drummer, the last thing I want to do is sound like a drummer. So I'll yeah, try to so the band is always listening to each other, trying to make an interesting conversation. Yeah. No, and I think conversation is exactly it. It's like you go to a party. You don't go to a party with a list of conversations you're going to have. You know? Talking points. Yeah, okay, let's see. This We have to have this conversation about, uh, you know. No, you don't. You do it like we're doing right now. You just, things happen, and you roll with it, and yeah. you listen. And One thing leads to another, and yeah, it's yeah. And dynamic. Then sometimes you just think, wow, that was really amazing conversation. Other times you think... I don't ever want to see that person again, you know? Now, okay, improvisation. Yeah, yeah. We'll speak no more of that. <laughs> now, we are talking about composing, right? Yeah. Is improvising a type of composing? Yeah, I think so. I mean, that's the, that's the million-dollar question when there's not million dollars around. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I think it is, you know. But composing is is like, oh, I have an idea. Let me save it in perpetuity on this piece of paper by right, right. Songs. Um, but records, you know, records allow us to or capture moments of composing in the in the moment. Yeah, but you know, when you're playing the solo, yeah, you're playing a, you're composing it, right? You're right. You're you're hearing what's going on, and you have a vision of that's developing in that moment, and you're following it. And some people don't think they can do it and but you know you can you can fool people into into doing it and then they realize oh that's all improvising is and you go yeah that's all it is you know well, we're improvising when we're talking to each other and once you get and classical musicians sadly are often 
you know, trained. You know, when I talk to a classical musician about improvising, they have to say the word jazz. They can't right. say, but there were, I had one guest, I can't remember the name, actually said there are some improvising traditions in classical music that go back to, I don't know, the fugues and stuff. There's, I, It was all mathematical and stuff, but you, you could like fool around with the form a little bit. And not just oh, totally. total machines. And, these, and, and the, the great composers like Beethoven, yeah. um, you know, he was an improviser. I mean, they, the the when you when you read contemporary you know reports of him as as a musician, you know, he was comfortable improvising. People in that era in the nineteenth century were comfortable improvising in a cadenza. There was a, a moment. That's when, it. That was the that was the form. Yeah, the violinists had the chance cadenza. to show off right. what they do. You know. Right. 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 Thank you, thank you for saying that. Look, we're at the end of the second, or reminding the slow learner why. We're at the end of the second hour, December 24, 2021, and just what Peter's so special guest, Gino Robert. Hold tight for hour three. December 24, 2021, it's the third hour of the walk from Pedro's.
Alpha Pedro Show. We start off third hour with Mitten Butcher Robert. Sounds like another three-way. A simple man with irregular habits. Then the equations collected with cut 1.3 point. And then Trobakova Kushnepechi with Lutka, which means doll in Slovenian. Live at Musiki Benali Zagreb. So, uh, 1983. This wasn't Slovenia. It was uh, Yugoslavia. Stuff. And then something. you gave me three tunes from the Splatter 3 plus N. And this is Butter Turner. So, enlighten us to Splatter Three plus well, Splatter Trio was a band that I was in actively for about 10 or 11 years. And we started to invite people on stage and, and just have a big band thing. And that that's why that's the three Splatter three plus N, because the na- the number of people would change. And ah, OK, so this and so we went to the studio again, improvised for a while and then did a Teo Macero on it. And this record 10 years later, that record with Butter Turner came out with cutting and pasting things, adding people, subtracting things. So it was a very much our kind of on the, you know, uh, early 70s miles period version of, of what we did. And I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that the titles come after? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. Because, no, well, not totally, because Watt has to have a title first so he can't write his song. But I always ask people that because nobody fucking does that. <laughs> and, and what we started off with, this other trio thing, Mitten, Butcher. Well, you know the Butcher guy, right? And Robert. Yes. Phil Mitten is a, a, a singer in, in England as well, trumpet player, who is, goes way, way back. I mean, he was in a rock band, a, an amazing set of rock bands in, in the 60s and 70s. Um, and he can do things with his voice that other people can't do. So it's just if you look up Phil Mitten on on YouTube, you'll find some really amazing performances. So and how'd you meet him? I got to meet him and record with him. <laughs> just like oh yeah, okay. but how was it? Just a coincidence? Oh, it was. Uh, John Butcher suggested it. Oh Again, okay okay. I was in England for a festival, and he you know I said let's go to the studio. And you know, since I'm here, he says well let's try something with with Phil because he played with Phil uh, for many years. It's, yeah, you know, it's about people. You know, people ask me about the old days. I said it was about people. I think the new days are about people too. Oh totally. <laughs> You know, and that's the great thing about being a musician is meeting people and and not just going out for dinner, but maybe jamming, making some music. And sometimes you resonate and sometimes it's a fun time, but you don't resonate. And I mean, that's the, the joy of it all. I mean, certainly you're not in it for the money, you know. Um, <laughs> but, uh, is there ever a dilemma of when you get the jam going, who goes first? No, uh-uh. not with these, not with the people I play. It's more like, uh, I mean, I'm lucky that the, the scene that I play in, everyone is has kind of a shared value system. Like, you know, if I was to go to a, if I was to work with people who are into Brazilian, deep Brazilian music, you know, I would have to be, I would have to understand the rules, right? Or at least right. have an understanding of what they think the rules are. And in this improv world, I kind of know what John and Phil think, because I sort of share that thought. And we, you know, we just get and play, you know, and what you're hearing on that CD is not exactly what we played, because some, we didn't put everything on the CD, we picked the choice parts, you know, absolutely, absolutely. It was kind of a, yeah, but there's no overdubbing tail really. thing. No, but that it's the tail is, thing. You, you well, had that, this original stuff. And then you yeah, but in that world, with yeah. the free improv stuff, we don't overdub, whereas with splatter three, plus oh, you N- do you do overdub with splatter. Okay. Oh, okay. totally. Yeah, that one. I play keyboards. I added because there's kind of different things, right? There's a thing where everything's a jam, and then you cut up the jams. But then exactly. there's, st- there's stuff where you add to the jam. Yeah. So with Splatter Three Plus N, I think it was Butter Churner, where you know when we recorded, just it was just the rhythm section. And the guitar player at the time, Len Patterson, threw in a, a lick. I'm like, wait a second, that's the melody. So I kind of built a melody out of what he played, and then it sounds like we composed it. <laughs> it's just like, wow, that worked. Yeah, you know? Okay, that's the point, kind of what I was trying to get at. You know, uh, at the end of the day, it's the sound coming out of the speaker. And I say this oh. a lot, Frank Morgan and Wizard of Oz, pay no that attention to that man behind the curtain. He's behind the fucking curtain. Yeah. <laughs> right? And so, like, I mean, no one no, no one wants to go to the sausage factory. <laughs> Never no. eat sausage again. I mean, that's the genius of, of people like Teo or Frank Zappa is like, they, you know, 
like Frank could take a guitar solo from 20 years before the recording session. And, you know, he's in the middle of a recording session and realized, oh, if I put that old guitar solo on top of this, it'll fit. Right. I mean, he's <laughs> you're kind of like thinking, you know, across a long field when you're producing a record because you're thinking the listener's not going to be in this room. They don't really give a shit who's yeah. the who's purity feeling like, or the authenticity or. Yeah, they want to hear good music. And so, you know, you have to keep that in mind. And same with improvised music. You know, you can you can document what happened. That's fine. But if you if you sort of mold it a little bit, it becomes more of a satisfying aesthetic experience. You know, you know there is a technique in movie making with the one shot, right? With no editing. Oh, my God. Totally. And, you know, it's like and Hitchcock would uh, like uh, rope. I think it is, you yeah. know, when they ran out of film, they would pan across something like a box Right. Or a wall. It's and that's where they camera. would put, you know, that's where they would make the edit. <laughs> so it was almost seamless, you know. And if you didn't know that, you would think it was all one shot. But, you know, that's how they would kind of, you know, blend those two, you know, have to change the real kind of thing, which on a computer is, I guess, change the hard drive. Um, oh, man, he was so much into the experience of the film. He had this idea the MacGuffin, the subject ain't even important. No, totally. Yeah, right. Yeah. Now you gave me some more Splatter 3, or I should say Splatter Trio plus N. Uh, yep. Nevada, I want to play.
lot for Pedro. Last music for this edition. Splatter Trio Plus N with Nevada. Then we had Viv Corinham with Al Margolis to Jasper wow. John's number three. Yeah, I play a lot of Al Margolis. He's been on the show twice. Chester, New York. Incredible cat. Yeah. Cool. Tripe Suit with May 19, 2017, 01. This is out of Montreal. And then finally, the Mumbler. Splatter Trio Plus. <laughs> Who's the Mumbler? I don't know. Remember Dick Tracy? But one of oh, the crooks was Mumbles, oh my God, right? The mumbles. <laughs> Terrifying. Uh, no, this was another, this is one of those tracks because the rhythm track was separate. And then I had the sax player from Splatter was going to move to Mexico. So I brought him into my studio and I just had him improvise and recorded him on DAT tape. And then when we did this, mumbler track it didn't have any melody and i so i just kind of took one of the you know one of the solo sax things and plugged it on there and it fit so um you know it's one of these things that it, you just need to have a lot of material a lot of paint around you to kind of make a you know make a picture so that worked out okay <laughs> well let me ask you about composing do you compose ever on the drums oh yeah totally oh great yeah what's what's that about like like in the marching band with the little figures no it's more like you know i get a sound going or i get a rhythm going and i think oh yeah I like that. Now what do I do with it? You know, how do I develop it? What need, you know, where does it need to go or where did it come from? And, and do you do traditional scores or graphic scores or what? I can do, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I can notate it traditionally. Some, a lot of times it's just notes, but sometimes there's a rhythm. There's a way, you know, there's something happening that I want to really remember. So, you know, I'll write it in traditional notation, but then, you know, the, it's like a puzzle. What's, where did it come from and where's it going to go? And you have right. to figure Because so some of these electronic cats, right? They make kind of artworks draw. Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, you now, I mean, computers can do all that kind of stuff. They can take a drawing and sonify it and vice versa. You can take, you know. So that's a whole nother angle at composing, right? It is. It is because, you know, once it's on a computer, it's just ones and zeros. And right. You can Absolutely. Turn that into anything. But there's something about organic natural sound too. I mean, at the end of the day, it's stuff coming out of the speakers. Pay no it, attention. You that. know, you just have to, you know, if you remember that and you're thinking about the listener or if you're just doing things that really turn you on, there's probably going to be other people that really enjoy that as well. You know, yeah. I, I, I think it's a fucking essential fabric between us humans that ain't so fascist. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you don't like it, just turn it off. Nobody's got turn, a exactly. boot on your throat or shit. Yeah. Well, uh, where, where can people find you on the Internet? Uh, GinoRobert.com. G-I-N-O-R-O-B-A-I-R.com, people. Correct. And and Bandcamp, there's, there's a Bandcamp page well, you probably general. got all kinds of links at your site, right? Not yet. I got, I'm updating the site this, okay. this holiday season. Okay. And what's next on the on the table, on, on the cooker, the oven? Oh, my God. Today I'm editing um, some music from a performance in uh, London from three years ago with, with a keyboardist named Steve Beresford. Okay. It was just a, a duet? It was a trio with uh, Steph um, Horak, who does vocals, processed vocals. So it was live electronics. Okay. And what, you're mixing it? Yep, I'm mixing it. Actually, no, uh, it's mixed. I'm editing parts of it and then okaying the, the masters and then a, comp, uh, a label in the UK will put it out. And is there any Gino Robert projects in the works? I am, yes. It's funny you say that. I am working on a uh, another version of my I Norton opera. I'm finishing that up and I have a, a I soul. Norton. Is that yeah, something to do with Emperor Norton? Yeah, exactly. So it's it's taking the... <laughs> taking the I found out of, about him through the Discordians when I was a teenager. Oh, you did? Oh, my God. Yeah. He Principia was, Discordia, huge effect on what? That's awesome. That is awesome. That yeah, was I, one humor part of the hippie thing. <laughs> I brought over to the punk. Yeah, 
but yeah, so Emperor Norton uh, published decrees. He decreed that a bridge <laughs> be built between Oakland and, and San Francisco. So I took all his decrees and made an opera about it. But the opera is improvised. There's very little music. It's all kind of instructions on how to how to uh, put together improvisation with a group. And, and if you want to use the text, you don't you can, but you don't have to. So um, I have like a new building bridge. a bridge. I heard they wanted to put a plaque on the new Bay Bridge for him. They, yeah, they want. They wanted to rename it the Emperor Norton Bridge. And there's people who don't want that. <laughs> yeah, you, right. Come on, man. <laughs> lighten up, lighten up. Look, when I mean, you get that stuff done, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, so when they when they published in the 18th century, when they, or 19th century, when they published, you know, come to San Francisco brochures on the East Coast, it also included come see America's only emperor. Right, right. I, I he, think he had his own currency. Even. He's well, he sold bonds, and he sold That's bonds. It. <laughs> he's but he sold bonds for ten dollars. Now think about how much ten dollars was in like 1860. Big time, big time. You're right. So, but he died the year they all came uh, due. Right, but he used to. There was some. He got people would chow him and stuff. I mean, he was an essential part of the town. Oh, totally. Yeah. No, he, yeah. he you know, he lived it as in a in a impoverished life in a, you know, a resident hotel. But, you know, he could eat for free anywhere he right. wanted to eat. So. Right. Look, when you get that happening, when you come back on the show, play it and we can talk about it. Sounds great. Oh, I'd love man. To. Big honor. Thank you so much for being on the show. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate yeah, the let's invitation. Keep on keeping on. People, been December 24, 2021. Just watch Pedro. You keep your powder dry.